All right, Quain, let's go back to a specific day. Okay. It's yeah. Tuesday, Uh huh. September 13th. Yeah. So we went to see yeah. Brian Wilson. Wouldn't it be nice? So, um, yeah, Fair no. I know. So we went to St. Petersburg to see Brian Wilson. And I think that yeah, was a huge turning point for not only what we were doing before, but for now what we're doing right now. And uh, I want to say congratulations, because that is the day where all this really started, while while we're sitting here right now. Yes. So where do we go? Where do we go to St. Petersburg to do some brainstorming and thinking and and evaluating these options of breweries? Well, in St. Pete, of course, Mm -hmm. we go to Green Bench. Yeah. So our first destination was Green Bench. And instantly we fell in love. We yes. fell in love. We, uh, I think one thing we were struck by and something we loved so much is the fact that I never, you know, I'd never been to St. Pete. Yeah. Was, you were my first time taking me there. Yeah. And you going back to St. Pete, I think we were both struck by like, holy shit, where did this come from? Oh yeah, by the way, we swear. Oh, <laughs> damn it. That's the first one. Okay, sorry. That's our, our swear warning. Um, but no, like, holy shit. I had no idea that I was going to be going to a place like Green Bench in St. Pete. Right. Uh, I felt like I was in Austin, Texas the first time I was at Green yeah, Bench. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and anybody who's lived there, if you haven't been there in 10 years, 8 years, you're going, there's no Austin, Texas in St. Pete. And no, maybe it was but transitioning, there but there is. It's yeah. awesome. Right yeah. across the street, we had a great Cuban at the bodega. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just really... We took a good walk, and we took yeah. it in. Yeah. We took it in. Hell yeah. Yeah. We went to Cycle that day, uh, and just saw Brian Wilson, and we realized... Uh, Brian Wilson was amazing. Yeah. Hands that down. Was so good. Yeah. And he did Pet Sounds in its entirety. Yeah. Uh, it was great. It was great. Uh, but really, I remember talking to Valerie. Mm-hmm. I remember her pointing out who Chris was. Yeah. And we kind of said, there, there's the brewer right, right there. Yeah. This is easy access yeah. to be able to speak to someone like this, but... Already his beers were, were yeah. speaking volumes. We didn't want to speak to him. I think I remember specifically on that day that we decided this podcast would be more than just beer. Yeah. Because we were sitting in that tapper and we were really impressed with the design of the place. Yeah, taking pictures, um, writing it out, yeah. I, like in notes. We were like totally just enthralled in all of it and taking it all in. Come to find out, I think that St. Pete's a really good example, and Green Bench specifically, that... A brewery can transform an area. Yeah. And you add in Cycle, and you add in all the other ones in that area, and all of a sudden you've got a great community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it's awesome. I think that was a really cool place to start this journey, um, and it's awesome to go back there. After 10 episodes, we're back, and uh, finally we have the opportunity to Guys, speak. Yeah. That's what we're going this week. Yeah. We're going back to Green Bench yeah. uh, to talk with Chris. Yeah. So let's, let's get in there, because I, I know it's going to take a lot, because... You know, he just had his event Friday, yeah. so we want to talk about that, but we also want to talk about this, and we want, I know with his beers, I have a feeling he's going to get really in-depth with what's going on, and uh, this is really our first time sitting down and really going to pick apart Saison's farmhouses, yeah. sours, and I'm really excited about this, and guys, now that you've heard really what Green Bench does, get ready, because their beers are out of this world, yeah. out of this world, so yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what's in the in the refrigerator because yeah. I want to get my hands on some. All right, man. You go have a good interview. <sighs> I got this. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. So so good to be back at Green Bench. Yeah. All right. Let's get inside and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, 
Um, so basically, I'm going to really kind of start. I want to get into Friday. And, sure. And uh, was this your first first annual or no fourth? This is the fourth time you've done yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Fourth. okay. And uh, so what? What is this little fest that you guys have? So what is going on here? Yeah, and it's here. It's here in the brewery. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. here. Uh, Fooder for Thought is the uh-huh. name of the festival. Um, it again, our fourth annual. Uh, it was when we opened our doors, which was you know through I guess three and a half years ago now. Um, we, uh, we we knew we wanted to do a big event for Beer Week. We didn't know exactly what it was, but. The first six months or so, uh, really first few months of us being open, uh, allowed us to develop this festival. Namely because when we opened our doors, we were the first brewery in the southeast of the country to own, for example, a fooder. Right, okay. Which is a, a big oak vessel. It's just actually it's an old Dutch word that just means oak vessel or oak tank. And what do you usually do? What do you put in those? Sesan uh, for us. We, okay. we, 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 the reason we had a fooder to start with um, is, you know, my, my favorite farmhouse sales in the world. I'm very passionate about farmhouse styles, Sesan, um, and uh, specifically, and, and that sort of has definitely grown in the last few, in, in, over the course of the last few years as, as far as the scope of, of farmhouse and, and what we actually know of the things um and what we what we at least produce here personally at green bench um so my favorite farmhouse producers though in the world uh had you know what we would call a, a house culture um some sort of house flavor profile and and you know somewhat similar to lambique in its in, is that you know farmhouse and Cezanne sort of does have a sense of place you know right. like there is this very you know home house culture flavor profile that is unique kind of to a lot to the breweries that, that I think made my favorite Cezanne and farmhouse sales. So, but a lot of those ones, like my, like the best, the, uh, you know, probably the two most known ones, you know, you have your, your Belgian style Cezanne, which is like more DuPont. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, the French style Cezanne, which, which my favorite French style Cezanne producer is, is Thierrier, um, in Northern France. And, uh, you know, both of those places actually produce in stainless. However, and, and they both have a very unique house culture that's been going on for a long time. However, I was definitely not confident in my own personal skills okay. uh, wow. to make like a house character in stainless. Um, so the reason I went with the fooder to start with, first of all, there was only a handful of people in the country that had fooders, like let alone, um, you know, we're trying to develop a, a house character. And I used the fooder because it was like, well, how does... How would this yeast and this culture survive over time, over right. years, you know? Um, and oak was the natural um, sort of vessel to to accomplish that with because it breathes. It's it's you know it's some you know in in its it, it is kind of living you know it's breathing you know that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and and these cultures can survive in this oak for years and years and years and years at a time, and so. That's really the the basis of getting the fooder to start with was I wanted to build a house saison culture and, and, and this is from the beginning you wanted from to the do this. very beginning awesome. so we opened our doors with the first fooder that the southeast of the country okay. of, to my knowledge has has had and I'm gathering in the Florida Beer Week you know or when we had like the beer competition nobody else was doing this at all right you basically are absolutely nobody right right and so it was you know we we have Bob Sylvester up at Saint somewhere who was doing some you know phenomenal sort of traditional saison uh, but he was doing sort of he was still using stainless which you know, like those those older producers, like I was mentioning, Dupont and um, and Thierrier, uh, but he he's doing sort of open fermentation, and and I, I wanted to really kind of develop a house culture, and like you said, no one was really doing it, so there really wasn't anyone even to turn to right. to kind of like learn about this stuff, 
Um, I spoke with a bunch of the producers in the country and the world who sort of had fooders. You know, people at New Belgium, you know, Lauren Eric Salazar were super helpful. Chad Jacobson at Cricket State was super helpful. Um, so was uh, Gabe Fletcher at uh, Anchorage Brewing. He was helpful. And, and Jester King, those guys were super helpful to me as well. You know, um, and the last one, really, Ron Jeffries at Jester King. I'm sorry, Jester King at Jolly Pumpkin. Uh, and then lastly, you know, uh, Jason Perkins at Allagash. They all really... When I reached out, they were there. And, and those are some heavy hitters, man. No, that's amazing. Sure. So, yeah, you're you're talking to right there. If you could give me a fridge full of that, yeah. I'm good for a month. For I, don't sure. even, I, would, I don't even think I'd move out of the house. It would yeah. just be like, no, don't, no need to leave. They so, know their stuff. Yeah, They really do. They really do. So uh, Friday comes along uh, the other night. How many how many breweries had, did you were you pouring that night? Like, uh, um, I think the count was like 40. I yeah. think there were 40 different breweries. We had about 70 beers. That's 70 beers. Three or something like that, right? Um, but it's about forty breweries represented, um, and really the so the, the basis of bringing these breweries in was we opened our doors with this thing that no one was doing. Yep. So no one had an idea of what it was. So we were kind of we hit a brick wall when we first opened because we were super excited about it. This is something an opportunity for this area, and people would walk into the tasting room and they say, "Hey, what kind of beers do you guys have on?" And we kind of tell them, "Oh, we we specialize in this one hundred percent oak fermented." farmhouse series you know and yeah, and they were just like what? Huh? you know in a custom built fooder and they're like uh, like I can't I don't know what that is let alone can I not pronounce it sure right and yeah. uh, I think people just want what what they're used to yeah and then but I, I think once you try them I mean everybody are they're trying these beers um, and everybody's saying funkier the better sure uh, love them on our you know we definitely love them uh, sours some of my favorites uh, that I drink a lot uh, so so who, what are some of the favorites that you had the other night what are some of that stood out to you. Sure. Yeah, let's. I guess let's uh, name well, drop, roll call. Yeah, specifically, uh, you know, obviously the, the heavy hitters, the ones that I, I knew about were, were great. I will say one brewery that, that I had not had before um, okay. that, that actually joined the festival as a recommendation uh, from uh, a, a guy named Jamie who actually is one of the co-founders of Craft Beer and Brewing, the magazine and okay. the website. Yeah. Uh, he emailed me and, and said, he's like, hey man, I got these friends here in Colorado from Weldworks Brewing Company and um, you know they'll be in town for Hoonapoo. Is it cool if they can come my fooder? And I was like, sure. And they sent some beer and uh, I had a peach sour from them that I, I thought was was pretty immaculate. Yeah. Um, and okay. it was it's always exciting to, to, you know, I met the guys, told them I was so excited to have them here and excited to try their beers. And, you know, I trusted, you know, Jamie and, and I had their beers and and I was not let down at all. Those beers were really good. Brandon Jones from Yazoo or and Embrace the Funk. He had a and he's this is the second year he's been here. Um, he had an apricot sat golden sour that was phenomenal. Um, and then you know sort of our our guest speakers that we had, you know, our highlighted breweries were all great. Um, and the time tappings were really good this year um, okay. throughout the festival. So that that's really the point of the fest, right? Like, you know, we, we had these kinds of beers. We're trying to explain these beers to our local community that didn't understand them, didn't know them. And then what we did, started doing is we started what we just did right now. We started name dropping yeah. Yeah. some of these breweries yeah. in the world that, you know, to kind of tell our local community, like, we're not making this up. You know, yeah, like Green Binge happening. didn't open this up and just, we're just... Creating Magic. stuff, yeah. you know, like it's it's like this comes from something. It's inspired by something. And so, what I realized very quickly in those first few months was they haven't even had the same beers that have inspired me. So why would I expect them to even know what we're doing? You know, it's not Smart. the consumer's right. fault. It's a lack of exposure. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time of us opening, 
craft beer in Florida was the you know less than two percent of all the beer sold in the state of Florida was craft beer. Right. The year that we opened, and and of that less than two percent, how much of that was Yingling? You know what I mean? Not to knock right. that, but no, like but that is technically a craft beer. You go Seven Eleven. That's what you're picking up. And the majority of people were drinking that, and yeah. so it was difficult to kind of bridge that gap. So the thought was, let's make a festival in which it's about it's about redefining what the word beer is and the definition of beer is for our consumer base by supplying them with the same beers that we were inspired by, by showing them that we're not making this up and, and then they can become inspired the same way we were, yeah. just by tasting and being exposed to these beers. So that's what the festival started as, that's what it still is today, and every year we sort of progressively try to incorporate education uh, nice. as, as really the, the front the, the forefront of this festival. It is an education-forward festival. And you said speakers, so there, there yes. were people speaking at it and uh, just teaching the beers that they're making, sure. going over that. Awesome. So la- last year was the first time we actually had the, the sort of educational series, okay. and it's something we talked about having you know, on year two. We couldn't pull it together at year two. It's a little bit too young still. And then uh, year three, we felt comfortable enough with not just the consumer base and the amount of people that were coming to the festival, um, but we felt that we had a, you know enough friends in the industry, too, that... that you know, would be interested in, in testing out this market somewhat. So, you know, for example, last year we we and the end this year we set up a stage outside in the beer garden. Okay, um, it's actually looks pretty cool. It's got like a vintage couch and chair, nice. and there's barrels with lamps and stuff, and a coffee table, and just looks kind of comfortable. And it's in front of a screen that has the breweries logo uh, up on the up on the wall. And so the idea is we, we feature about four to five breweries every year. I mean, obviously we have like I said, you know, 40, forty breweries right. and seventy beers yeah. or whatever. But we do is we 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 pick handpick four of them or five of them and we ask them to you know send their beers but we we time their tapping so they're, they're highlighted for an hour so the fest starts at 6 p.m we had a 6 30 tapping of cantillon and Fufun and drifontini and Udguz. and then at seven o'clock we started our first brewery tapping or time tappings with educational series so at seven was sun king out of indianapolis this year yeah. um so awesome. andrew hood who's their barrel manager and great friend incredible guy makes some of the best sours honestly i've had mm. in the country uh, he had four beers that were on tap at 7 o'clock. 7.15, he went up on stage, and we had Marco from Craft Commander down in Miami. He came up, and he did, he, he basically curated and emceed uh, an interview. Oh, that's really cool. So okay, he sat great. there, and he interviewed them, asked them about himself, about you know the background of the brewery, about the background of their barrel program and, and, and their sour program and their philosophy, and then talked specifically about the individual beers while I poured pictures of it out to the crowd and, and, and then we had a 10-15 minute Q&A where the crowd could come up and ask questions to the breweries Love that. Uh, and it's just really important for them to see you know truthfully like they're sick of hearing me talk about this stuff you know they've been hearing me talk about it for years mm-hmm. here you know and so it's to bring other people in who uh, are extremely talented and, and, and very smart and educated and uh, just make great products that inspire me all the time throughout the year like I travel right. all the time and drink these beers I was going to ask that too do you travel yeah. do you speak at some of so that's the, that's the flip side is I, I'll often travel to their festivals right. to give talks and, uh, and and I do a lot of that too. I'm also I also teach at the university here at USF St. Petersburg Brewing Arts Program. I'm one of the founding faculty members and you know I teach um, awesome. I'll, I teach a quarter of the of the entire course myself. Get out and really cool. uh, and actually have a we're starting our, our actual sour wild module releases next month for our students, which would be pretty exciting that I'm teaching as well. So yeah, so I do a lot of educational stuff and, and I just wanted to bring that to St. Pete. You know, we um so he went up and then the eight o'clock hour this year um was Blackberry Farm, um, which is this amazing brewery in Tennessee. 
it's actually a full resort. The place is Google Get it. Out, really? Google it. it, it okay. It's been around okay. for for years and years and years. Like like Kanye goes there. Like it, it's like I mean it's it's a big deal. Like okay. it's expensive, fun, full resort. Anything you want. The culinary experience is second to none. The wine experience is second to none in the world. Um, and their beer is immaculate. That's amazing. Um, and they make about. traditional Belgian style Cezanne. They've won GABF World Beer Cup medals three years in a row now. Oh shit. Um, okay. So Roy Milner was here. He's their chief fermentation officer, um, and he just talked what, very well about their incredible program. Uh, the next one was uh, Black Project, which is uh, an amazing sort of spontaneous wild sour brewery in okay. Denver, Colorado. Um, and then James Hoat, the founder of Blender Brewer there, spoke for a half hour. And then uh, lastly, we had Jeffrey Stuffings from Jester King. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and we actually had Jester King t- two years in a row, which we, we try to not do. But we did that. I, mean, I guess so, because you collab yeah. with them. I mean, you guys are really good friends. Yeah, or are you saying you don't want to do two I, I don't like doing two back-to-back because okay, it, it's, it's more of an opportunity for our crowd to, to re-explore. Yeah, uh, especially when you're saying there's so many out there. There's plenty. Yeah, there's plenty. So, yeah, you want to kind of... What happened, though, is Jester King released what I would consider to be one of the most important things that happened to beer in at least the last probably five years, oh, if not shit. a little longer, okay. which is Method Goose. Um, and I mean, it is, it is extremely important, uh, especially to American craft beer. Um, and it really bridges the gap between traditional Belgian style beers and what we, what we have been doing for probably, you know, 20, 30 years. And as far as what the, the history of American craft beer, and then the final sort of develop the developing this, like I said, bridges the gap between this sort of old world Belgian style beers is as I find a lot of us are actually getting more old world the, the more, you know, advanced American craft beer that. Yeah, gets. It's gonna get. And, and so he talked about that, which is a special, and brought the beer, so it was great. Okay, good. Yeah, he got to pour. Yeah. Dude, and awesome. we released our collab that day, Yay. so it's cool. No, that's awesome. So let's, we dropped where we are. Um, I used to, I moved out of Tampa about 99. Okay. And I, really, the last time I was here in St. Pete uh, was 1999. Uh, I used to see a lot of shows here. So sure. just either Janus Landings or State the Theater. State Theater. Yep. You know, a lot the ska movement, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. punk and ska movement was huge at that time. Um, and then just recently, the birth of this podcast really happened here at your brewery. No way. Yeah. So thank you for that. So Brennan and I were coming in here in September to go see Brian Wilson. Yeah. He was playing at the the Mahaffey Theater. Sure. Mahaffey, yeah. yeah. And um, we knew let's go let's let's stop on this street. We knew you guys were here, and this was the first place we stopped in. And we started talking to you guys, and we said, okay, this could happen. This really could happen. This podcast can happen. So thank you for that. Um, but here I am looking at St. Pete, going, holy shit, this is so different. Sure. I sometimes would be scared to be yeah. walking where we are sitting right now. You know, it just you just didn't do that. How long have you been here, mm-hmm. and what is it like seeing this change right. here in St. Pete? Um, yeah, all of that is true. We... Uh, <laughs> We opened our doors again three and a half years ago. So it was September 25th of 2013 was the day that was our grand opening. And you were here from the get-go. You were here from yeah, the get Yeah, yeah. So right. I'm, I'm, my role, I'm the head brewer, but I'm also one of the owners. Okay. So uh, from the That's beginning, nice. I've, been owned, I've owned the brewery. So um, before construction started and well before that, you right. know, I've been a right. part of Green Bench. So uh, I, it's funny. I get that question all the time. It's like, so how long have you been with Green Bench? Like, well... Forever. I am green. Um, yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah. Um, so, I grew up here in St. Petersburg. Okay. So, I definitely remember 
how this area was. Yeah. Uh, my, my two business partners, Nathan and Steven, they, they were born and raised here, too. Okay. Like, I wasn't born here, but uh, but I've been here since I was, like, 10. Okay, so originally born, where you were Memphis, from? Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, I was born and raised in Memphis. Get to go back home next month to visit my mom and yeah. everybody. So. so, wait, they're still up there? So ten. Most of my family is still yeah. back in Memphis. 10 yeah. years old, why are we moving to go to... My father was here. Okay. okay. Um, so, he moved down here when my parents were expecting me. Um needed a job and my grandfather was here doing x-ray x-ray and he said i can give you get you an x-ray school so my dad moved down here to get a job because he was an 18 year old or 17 year old kid that's having to have a baby on the way yeah and so um yeah so he came here uh started a career and uh when i was 10 my parents moved me down here i have a bunch of siblings i'm the oldest of nine siblings and okay. so um it, it made a lot of sense to kind of uh, for me personally to get more attention and also discipline because i was not a very good kid um, so I was actually failing school, like it was pretty bad at, at the time, and they moved me down here, and, and everything worked out. But well, how old are you? How old are you? Uh, I'm 29. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So from how old I am, they always blame that on uh, ADD. Well, it wasn't okay. even actually ADD then. Yeah, yeah. They tried of to put, They were telling my mom, "You got to put this kid on Ritalin." Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, "Hell no, I'm not putting my kid on drugs." Sure. Like well, that. that's good for her. Yeah. yeah actually, oh, it was the yeah. 80s. Yeah, you didn't know yeah, what exactly. the hell was going on then. You know? Yeah. So they moved me down here, and and I went to high school here, and, and everything. And, and you you never came downtown. You know, it was no, like yeah. you said, you, yeah. you'd be scared to walk around. It was uh, everything was boarded up. Mm-hmm. Um, there there was like there there were no small businesses. The you know a good night was when you and your family you know went to the mall. And then ate at Macaroni Grill, you know, like that was that was like rad. That's like that's at, yeah. when you you're yeah. living it up. And so, it, I mean, it, it was all chains, Applebee's, Chili's, that kind of thing. And beer was the same way, you know, like uh, food, beer. Right. I you mean, were, e- yeah. even even clothing and you know arts, everything was was big. It was macro conglomerates. And so, uh, when I was in high school, I was like, God, I hate this place. Like, I want to leave. It was old. There was a bunch of old people yeah, here. Yeah, grandparents. Retirees. Right. Yeah. It, this is the Boca. Boca yeah. Raton for like Fort Lauderdale. Sure, you know? yeah, this yeah. is what, yeah, St. Peter's where the grandparents live. That's exactly and, yeah. right. Yeah. So it was, you know, and it was, it was, you know, we called it God's waiting room. You know, that was the, <laughs> that was the, that's what they really called St. Pete. And, and it was, man, it was, it was boring uh, for a kid growing up here. And so pretty much all of us moved away. You know, like we, you know, it, it was, Nate and Steve did, they went to college, you know, up in at UF and, oh, okay. um, you know, I, never, I actually went to school at USF, but, you know, I spent a year in New York City in between all that, too. Okay. Um, what made you go out there? What, what, was the, what was the idea there? Um, it, was, it, was, it was a mixture of things. One, to see if, you know, I wanted to explore, to see if, you know, yeah, something else City. in the world yeah. I wanted to learn. Yeah. Um, I was also dating a lawyer that was up there, so <laughs> it was easy. Uh, she was awesome. And um, so I just, I spent time, we traveled, and I just tried to figure out what I wanted because I knew I didn't want to be in St. Pete. And so came back down to finish school, um, actually was doing sports broadcasting for USF and um, was a lit major. Before that, I was a, I was a uh, pre-med student. I uh, thought I wanted to go that route and yeah. decided I didn't want to do that anymore after I finished my prereqs, became a lit major, did all that stuff. Uh, and then was homebrewing in college, and that's okay. what it was. So I, I picked up homebrewing as a hobby because I, you know, I was just... And my, where did we buy that here? I mean, sure. did we buy any of that stuff here? Yeah, so, so when I was in college... Well, it makes sense, I guess, in Tampa, but... So that's the thing. When I, when I, actually, before I was in college, when I was in elementary school, middle schoolish, um, my my dad actually was a home brewer. Okay, um, so that's where we got it from. Yeah, oh, and nice. there was there was a homebrew shop in Tampa called I think it was called the Beer Shack, the okay. Homebrew Shack, Homebrew Shack. <laughs> okay. That's what it was called. 
And it was owned by the Dobles, who owned Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Okay, right. And so they used to have brewing classes and all this stuff. And so I remember my dad, I mean, we'd drive over there all the time and just hang out at the home brew shop when I was 10, you know, and I'd just be like, yeah. smells like weird stuff, you know, like it's grain and hops and stuff. I didn't never, you know. And so he would make beers at home. Stovetop extract, kind of partial stuff, and did he let um, you try him? Was he like, no, like, actually, uh-huh. no. I, I never tried any of his beers. I, I remember helping, like stirring stuff, and but I don't, I didn't recall. Honestly, by the time I was twenty one and I decided I wanted a homebrew, I was like, I, I remember my dad doing it. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if I like beer. Really? Okay. And I so okay. I, it, while it was an influence, it wasn't like I didn't know a lot. Like it wasn't. Um, what were you, were you reading anything, or were you just going sure. based on what your dad was doing? Was yeah, actually, it was, so what I did was is I, I realized very quickly I didn't know anything about beer, so I spent a year just drinking a lot. And specifically, what I would do is I'd go to like Total Wine, which is our kind of big, you know, warehouse of wine and right. liquor and beer, um, and I'd go to their wall of hundreds of beers, and I would actually pick one style because I knew there were styles. That, that's what I did learn from my father. You know, okay. like he would make. He would make pale ales, and he would make brown ales, and he would make pilsner, and he would make amber, and he'd make IPA, right. and he'd make all these different styles. So at least what I had was this. And you can understand color, like different. Yeah, I knew that thing. Beers. I knew they looked different. Yeah. I knew that they smelled different and tasted different. I didn't know why. Okay. So what I did was I'd pick one style on a weekend, and I would go to Total Wine, and I would get a mixed six pack of one style, and that weekend I would drink the entire six pack, but I would have the guidelines in front of me. Right. Yeah. And I so I would study the guidelines while I was drinking and thinking about these beers and sort of assessing them and learning. And so after a year of doing that, I had a really good base knowledge of styles. Uh, and then actually, I, I knew how to make it. You know, I, I learned the techniques. Like, you know, you would read dry hopping. Well, what does dry hopping mean? And then you'd look at dry hopping, and it's like, oh, well, there's this is what dry hopping concept is. You just add hops to the end of fermentation, and then you're like, oh, how does that work? And then you find out there's a billion different ways to dry hop. And so but I, I learned all these things just because I was curious. And by the time I brewed my first batch of beer, I wrote my own recipe, brewed my first okay. beer, I won a statewide medal for it. Uh, in the homebrew comp in the circuit, and what year was that? Oh, it's, I don't remember. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I mean, it's 2017. Yeah, right. right? That's um, what I was going to say. So let's see. Ten years ago was 2007. Yeah. So it was probably 2009. Okay. Yeah, it was two okay. years later after that. So yeah, it was it was 2009 that I sort of brewed my first beer, won a medal. And then won a bunch of medals in the circuit and then regional as well. And then six months later, I had volunteered at Cigar City, uh, met Wayne, the brewmaster there. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a really in-depth conversation, um, kind of really about the sort of philosophy of IPA, if you will. And he just like was like, I want you to work for me. And so um, he hired me. And I started working there, and, oh, and I wasn't there very long. I was there nine, ten months or so. Right. But uh, you know, I worked packaging and kind of just saw the application of what I was doing versus. And you knew this was going to happen. You you had dreams of this, right? Not really. Not at the no, time. Huh? I mean, okay. I didn't know what I really wanted. I was still in school, and you know, sure. like, and, and I was thinking about doing the sports broadcasting route and and writing. And I thought about going to grad school. I applied for grad school, and I almost just went that route. And I had a passion for Victorian literature, so I thought I was going to go do that, and then um, teach, and then. Um, it, it just kind of it just grew. It, it really just it organically sort of snowballed into into this being. Were there a any thing. favorites that you were doing then? Was this like was there any that you were like that's keeping me going? Like I could do this all day every day with that drink or? Um, not really. To be honest with you, you know, two things got me into beer that that really like grabbed me. One was it's endless knowledge. I will die not knowing everything about beer. Right. That is exciting. You know, like I don't want to ever know anything about 
any one subject. Right. So if I can, can if I can spend my life waking up in the morning excited to try something new and not know, like you get bored with knowing, you know, if you are just going through the motions, that is boring. Yeah, every day I'm doing the same thing. Exactly. I can't, I can't pass that. I've, What's the point? If there's no ceiling, yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's how, that's how, that, that. The second one was the community of people. So then I met these people and it was my first homebrew club meeting. I'll never forget it. And I remember walking in, um, the day that I bought my first homebrew equipment, who was working at the homebrew shop was Justin and Devin Kreps, who owned Seven Sun Brewing Company. And it was, you know, buddies of mine, Jeremy Wing and Brian Wing, who, who uh, Brian actually works for works with us now. He does our meads and ciders. And, and Jeremy's a good friend who makes great beers. And this guy, Rick Esman, who makes great beers and was brewing commercially here. So I, I met on my first day buying equipment people that would that you're do, still talking to that I still taught are great friends yeah. who own breweries and, and do <laughs> great so things cool. yeah. and so they were like you should come to this homebrew club meeting on Tuesday and I was like oh, okay so I go to this meeting and what I saw was for the first time in my life this group of people from every single walk of life you could think of that could not care about the differences right. amongst one another uh, they just were passionate about the same thing and wanted to share everything they could with each other. Knowledge and the beer. Yeah. Like all at the same time. And it was just, it was just hugs and laughter and fun nice. and, awesome. and greatness. And it was like, it felt warm. It felt good. And it was, and those were the two things that got me into beer was that moment and this knowledge thing, uh, not ever knowing everything. And so it wasn't really one thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't like this yeah. beer or this thing. It was it was just those two things were the catalyst and it sort of snowballed into a career after i left cigar city southern bring and winemaking the same homebrew right. shop that i got my stuff from they hired me specifically to open a brewery for them oh, okay. a small nano brewery so i did that i opened a brewery for them and uh ran that brewery for about two and a half years while also teaching oh. brewing classes how many beers were you there do you remember how many oh man i mean dozens yeah, yeah. it was a ton of beer um, it was a small one barrel system too, so we had a lot of freedom okay. to kind of play around. And so we would play with ingredients. And, and I taught brewing classes for two and a half years. So a lot of the breweries that now have breweries you know, that are open, right, they actually, yeah. I taught them how to make beer. So it's all this really kind of tight knit group, really in Tampa Bay, of, you know, like I bought my first equipment from the guys that own Seven Sun. Yeah. And I ended up working at Southern with them. And then I worked at Cigar City with Justin. And a lot of the other breweries now where people have branched off to open stuff, I worked them at other breweries or I taught them how to brew. Um, how's know. that feel? How's that feel? Like Because it's so successful right now. Mm -hmm. What's happening here in Tampa, St. Pete, it's so successful. You guys were the first here in St. Mm -hmm. Pete, right? So how's that feel to say that I'm, I've helped a lot there's a movement right now it's the, it's great there. it's good to be a, it's good to be a part of that that community the, the brewing community I, I will say almost even more than that because the brewing community didn't start necessarily with us you know what i mean sure we're the first one in st petersburg and right and are we do we do we help absolutely mm -hmm. um but i would almost even take it a little bit more narrow and, and sort of go back to what we were talking about a little bit ago being sort of a catalyst for this area of St. Petersburg, having grown up here, um, not thinking I'd ever want to really come back, and then traveling and seeing these amazing things, eating incredible food and, and going to amazing right. small businesses and drinking yeah. incredible wine and beer and liquor throughout the world, and then saying, why doesn't St. Pete have that? And then meeting two guys who have you know, easily become my, two of my best friends in the world who are my business partners who also wanted to just bring something special back to this city that we all grew up in together. Um, and then us being the first one, not just the first brewery in St. Petersburg, but one of the first businesses, small businesses in this area of St. Petersburg 
when we opened, this wasn't like it is so now. So the murals that we're seeing on the none on of the that dome, was here, of it, right? Okay. That was not even that was Bodega, a, one of the best. Bodega opened while we were under construction. Really? Okay. So technically, okay. opened before us, but we watched them grow. Yeah, you're watching them grow, as and we were. had already had this property, and we were building stuff out. And then we opened, and they were open, and you know, uh, Hawkers wasn't here, and and all these other business you yeah, had at King Street, they weren't here. Like even a year ago, all that stuff where King Street is, where you guys ate today, yeah, all that wasn't. No, a lot right, of it. Not. They were vacancies, and now it's still kind of even vacant. There exactly. are a lot of vacancies here, so you could kind of tell. Tell is it on the move? Is it going to happen more? How long growing. is it taking though? Is this has been what you guys have been here three for years, three and, and a half years, three and a half years. It's honestly, I feel like that's fairly rapid. Um, we also have so much construction downstairs and new development specifically. So there are tons of high rises. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the the number. Nate, Nate actually knows better than I do. Um, the statistic on you know the amount of residents that St. Pete is supposed to have in three right, years from right. now, kind of thing, and it's it's staggering. Like it's, you know, a, a year ago we had two hundred fifty thousand people or so, or two hundred thousand people, I think, a year and a half ago in St. Petersburg, and now we're at three hundred thousand people, and it's that number is you know skyrocketing. It's going faster. And faster. Yeah, the, I think the number I heard was like it was a staggering amount of time or short amount of time uh, till we get to five hundred thousand people in St. Petersburg and that's going to be ridiculous yeah, and a massive amount of those residents are actually going to be in downtown St. Pete. That's so crazy walking around here. Yep. And yeah, it's going to be busy. It's yep. going to be nuts. So Green Bench, where is that where's the name come from? Uh Green Bench is actually an old St. Petersburg reference. So, uh you know, we're all from here and grew up here and uh, Green Bench in the early 1900s at one point there were over 3,000 green benches adorning downtown St. Pete and uh, the reason the the reason that happened was is back then there were small businesses down here. I mean, back then in the in the early 1900s, late 1800s, you know, turn of the century, you the majority of the residents were very close to downtown. They were very centralized, um, and so there were a lot of small businesses on Central Avenue, and the storefronts were busy, and there was no central AC because it was. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was 19th century, beginning of 20th century, right? And so it was actually cooler to do your business outside than inside. And so what happened was these businesses would put out chairs and tables and couches and all this stuff uh, in order to do all their business outside. And so the, the the streets were crowded like crazy. The city was like, "This looks terrible. Please get your stuff out of here." But we'll <laughs> promise we'll requisition something in replacement. So they had made these green benches. Green benches right. They installed them downtown St. Pete, and then they kind of became this staple for St. Petersburg. And St. Pete actually used it as a marketing tool. Uh, we we called themselves we call ourselves the City of the Green Benches, right. and we okay. would we would actually make postcards and take ads out in newspapers and you know the North and these snowbirds or in Detroit and New York and. Uh, even you know Ohio, Toronto yeah. and Ohio, all these places where they would come down and say, "Come to the city of the green benches," and you see this postcard, and it's just packed with people hanging out on the green benches, and to be a line. And so, you know, green bench, not not really, to, not trying to bring back the green benches necessarily, but it's more this concept of you know St. Pete was known as a social town, and that's what we advertise ourselves as. Okay, come good. to this place where you can hang out and socialize. Yeah, and that is what we wanted to be as a brewery. Come to the brewery, socialize, do business here. Uh, enjoy your your family and and the the amazing weather we have, and do it over a glass of beer this time. You know, yeah, do it over a pint. Exactly. And so that's that's the concept of Green Bench, and then a lot of our beers subsequently have become are, are, are all, you know, have a lot of Green Bench 
um, or pretty much, sorry, St. Petersburg references right. in them. So, you know, things like Sunshine City IPA uh, were known as the Sunshine City. Yeah. Um, we actually right. have a record 768 days straight of sunshine. It happened really? in the 70s. Yeah. So it's a Guinness That's Book insane. of World Record. Um, and, you know, our Pilsner is called Postcard Pills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, St. Pete's known for their postcards. They were very famous. Also, we have postcard inns. And, you know, like it's, you know, a very St. Pete forward. Happy Hermit, our pale ale, is actually a reference to Silas Dent, who is this guy that lived off the coast of uh, Cabbage Key. Uh, and like was off the grid, like lived in Wait, a house made of palm fronds. He okay. was a home, he was a hermit. No running water, no electricity. Um, he used to dress like Santa in, in the wintertime and sell she- seashells by the seashore um, <laughs> in the winter. And uh, in 1948, Life magazine wrote an article about him and called him the Happy Hermit of Cabbage Key. And so we took the name Happy, Happy hermit, hermit Pale Ale. Right. There's even a steakhouse on the beach called Silas Den Steakhouse. And okay, it's, awesome. it's all about him. Man. So. That's where that comes from, and we, you know, we try to pay homage to, to St. Petersburg because, you know, there's a it's reason home. we opened here. Right, it's home. Yeah. Any uh, any of those original green benches still around? Do you, do you ever see them or? Very rarely. Yeah. Usually, you'll find them in like uh, like old churches and stuff. Will sometimes okay. have them. Like they've taken them out, but I guess places would just put them in there. Yeah. We need to get you guys one. Yeah, we we actually had an original. Oh. Um, and we put it out there, and everyone's sitting on it. And it kind of was like messing up. It was like breaking and stuff. And so uh, we actually had made one that's out there that isn't necessarily the original, but um, yeah. It's the green bench. Yeah. Yeah, starting it all over. It's all again. good. Yeah, I like that. So um, here we are, St. Pete. Uh, any other breweries that we know that are opening up? We have Cycle right down the street. Sure. Well, so Cycle about five blocks from here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how's that? How's that having like a neighbor like them close by? Does it bring more people to go back and forth or? Um, yes and no. I mean, I wouldn't even say it's specifically Cycle or even specifically Green Bench as a reason in which people would necessarily. Um, what, what helps is having a multi, like a lot of breweries. So, right. so just having us is not as strong as having us, having St. Pete Brewing Company, having Pinellas Sailworks, having Cage, having Three Daughters, having, you know, um, uh, Urban Comfort. You know, it's having a bunch of breweries locally helps more than just two, even if, you know, two are spoken about more than anything else or one is spoken about more than anything else. Yeah. What really helps is having a lot because people will make the effort to come to an area if they can bar hop. You know, like beer breweries aren't like restaurants, right? You don't there's direct competition in a restaurant that's across the street from one another. Right. You know, right. because you're only gonna eat once. However, uh, if you if you go to a, if you go to an area and there's a bunch of breweries, you know, you're like, oh great, I'm only I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna hit every brewery. Whereas if there's only one or two breweries, well maybe you don't go down there because why not? Why would yeah. you go down there if you have to go somewhere else, you know? So um, it really helps, I think, having more breweries rather than specific ones, to be okay. honest with you. That makes sense. Uh, so if if let's say we're not able to make it here, where can we get our beer? But your beers, where, where sure. can we get Green Bench at? The majority of our beers, especially core brands, are you know here in the Tampa Bay area. Right. Uh, we have them kind of throughout the state of Florida, but not as not as uh, often. Um, we also sell um, in Atlanta has some of our beers. Oh, really? Okay, good. Um, and then a lot kind of throughout the country as well. To be yeah, honest with you, yeah. Yeah. So about two years ago, we signed with Shelton Brothers. Okay, right. Um, and we were actually it was, it was very incredible and it was a big honor for me uh they came down and we drank a bunch of beers and they were like we want to sell your products um, which is kind of a dream come true for me not even thing that not even a dream that i'd had before you know like it's it, it was such a far-fetched concept <laughs> yeah. that like i never expected it Somebody nor in colorado I... could be having it or yeah. yeah you know so actually we sell yeah. a decent amount of beer in colorado Do actually too um, that was a guess yeah <laughs> and so 
Yeah, so we were the 11th brewery in the country that they decided to partner with, which was huge because they, they carry my favorite brands in the world. I mean, some of them. Who are they? That's a shell. Jester King, Jolly Pumpkin, right. um, uh, Anchorage, Crooked Stave, uh, you know, yeah, Oxbow. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just, they're my, they, so they're also the biggest importer. So they bring in Cantillon, Andre Fontanian, and Thierrier. And so all of my favorite beers come through their portfolio that's awesome and they hand they, they're very particular about who they select especially statewide okay so you know they have prairie mm-hmm. and american solera now and um so when they selected us again we were the 11th brewery that's so crazy in the country that's and they've been be around since 99 yeah and that doesn't even sound like they pick one a year it's no they don't no they don't it's less so, than that they, they yeah. really are just like that, that's so cool. That yeah, so cool. And it was really because of like these kind, these kinds of beer, and also our clean stuff too. Like they, they sell those as well. You know, we're we're lucky. We're uh, Brendan and I are. We uh, we're able to, I would say, be able to get you in three places that we know, just really nice. walking distance. Yeah, so that's exciting. GB Bottle Shop has you guys. Topher has you guys, and we love your beers. Thanks, I mean, man. Yeah, you guys are doing amazing things. Appreciate it. Um, but let's talk about the science of what you're doing. I mean, mm. a lot of what you're doing comes down to technical, technical sure. work. Um, are they, uh, they're worth it at, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you make it, you taste it, you go, holy shit, it's worth it. Uh, but what's it like? What, what's the process like? And let's say, let's pick a beer right now. Multiple pick, um, sleeping dragons, I guess. Okay, wearing. sure. And then what's that like? Like what, like as a collab works, but also what you're doing. I mean, it was an exciting collab for me because it was the first one we did with Jester King. First of all, it was the first one, you know, we've done, you know, two so far and we got a third one coming up. Oh, nice. And, um, okay, good. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the beer was in its concept, you know, I mean, in its concept, frankly simple, you know, like we, we it was something that we both were passionate about. Jeff is actually the owner, the founder of Jester King. He, he's actually from this area. Okay. Um, and so he grew up in Bradenton. Yeah, and, he said Bradenton. Yeah. 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 So it, it was, it was important, you know, for us to kind of bring, do some Florida themed things as well. So okay. for example, the fruit is all Florida fruit. Okay. Um, nice. So anyway, the concept was very simple. It was, uh, you know, we, t- we took our base golden sour recipe, which is called Alice, um, and, and we took Alice. We we you know brewed the beer. We fermented uh, in stainless with our Britannomyces culture, our house culture, Brett, which we, we do a lot of 100% Britannomyces beers here in stainless. And so that was stainless fermented with that. About four weeks later, we rested in neutral red wine barrels from California on Florida dragon fruit, three varietals, red, white, and pink. Um, and we blended our mixed culture and their mixed culture. So there were, you know, dozens of strains of wild yeast and Saccharomyces and bacteria, souring bacteria. And then that rested in those barrels in our climate-controlled cellar room at 63 degrees Fahrenheit for about 14 months. Oh yeah. And okay. then post-fermentation, I tasted all the barrels, came up with a specific blend for the beer. We blended it back, and then we naturally bottle-conditioned and re-fermented in the bottle. So that is that beer. So it's acidic, it's dry, um, it's got extra- extreme complexity in its sort of you know yeast and bacteria development over time in the nose and the flavor profile. Um, it's got a lot of organic acids in it. Okay. I would say not just uh, lactic acid. There, I mean, there, there actually I like is, that. I think, hints of acetic in there, um, and you know, blended down to sort of this sort of complexity uh, on purpose and so yeah it's just an extremely complex dry fruity um, but also you know you know I strove for balance on the finish uh, so that we can uh, it promotes drinkability so and so you guys want to drink one let's do it yeah you want to open one I got plenty of beer here yeah yeah, yeah. let's do it I want I definitely want to try it so then watching a, uh, a beer go from 14 months I mean you're talking it's like what's it like to hear when you finally people are drinking it 
after you've waited this long to see if it's good, what's that like? So what's that like to finally hear people say, love this, or this is one of your best, and you're like, sure. fuck, was, it's, it, was, it was worth it? You know, so what's that like watching how like that that process? Um, I mean, it's exciting to release it. Uh, it's good that people like it. You know, I like I like it when people like the beer we make. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as they enjoy it. To me, to me, to be honest with you, this is the first full mix culture beer actually that we released. You know, we 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 have a bunch made, but it's the first one that we sort of released to the public. That that you know, we have beers that have rested you know, a year or, or more uh, right. that weren't necessarily like mixed culture sour beers. Um, a lot of them were Britannomyces forward. And, and and I think that it was important for us to release those beers first because there was so much that I learned um, in a lot of these Brett beers, um, which I have more of those too if you guys want to try. Um, specifically some of the Britannomyces stuff. I learned so much from making those that I think it allowed us to blend these better you know if i just started with these i think it'd have been a little bit more rough around the edges than than elegant uh, and the, which i think it, it has become and so it's exciting for people to to like it mostly because oh, yeah. you know i have a lot of this kind of beer behind this kind of beer <laughs> you know in barrels and stuff so it's good to it's, it was good to release it and everyone be like this is incredible yeah and i'm like good because this is the direction <laughs> i'm going good. so good. i'm happy right. that you're gonna like what i'm gonna make too you know i'm gonna release so yeah, this thing's fantastic. So, there you go. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Yeah, so big dragon fruit on the nose, I think. Again, really complex uh, sort of mixed culture aroma. You know, even some of... I, I, I even really like the, the, the blend a little bit. It's got some... Even some of just those vegetal notes. Like, part of it is just, like, a smell of vegetation, of, like, fruit, of just harvest. Um, which I, I, I really like that element of this beer. It smells acidic, it smells fruity, it smells, it almost even smells somewhat sweet, even though it's deceptively not at all. Um, it's very dry. Um, how long are we going to uh, have this one out? Is it, gonna, is it just seasonal at this point? I mean, I mean it's, just, it's just a spear. It's just so, a yeah, that's it. When it's gone, it's kind of gone. gone um, I mean, we'll definitely experiment with dragon fruit in the future a lot more with a oh, lot of should. sour beers we're going to be definitely, doing. Definitely, yeah. Um, we're opening our sour barrel, ha- barrel house next door. Hopefully, it'll be actually complete this year. That'd be awesome. Um, awesome, which will be pretty fun. Our plan is to put in, you know, we're, we're going to put in a second tasting room over there. Okay, that's actually uh, kind of a wine bar esque kind of feel. It really is focused on love that idea. Farmhouse, wild sour beers, Brett that's beers. Um, such a smart idea. Yeah, so it's going to be, you know, we'll go from we've got about 150, maybe 160 barrels filled right now in house, okay. and uh, that number will increase probably to seven, eight hundred um, once the facility's up and running. And then, you know, to be all stemware and sort of, you know, education forward. And, you know, this side of this tasting room is still where you can come get pictures of IPA and, and Pilsner and, you know, hang out and, and drink beers with buddies. And then that yeah. side's going to be, you know, really kind of contemplative, you know. So how'd this week go for you? We had, uh, we had the whole um, Tampa Bay Brew Week. Uh, how was that? How's the week been? Uh, it's been good. Um, it's always difficult. Yeah. Busy, it's busy, busy. Yeah. Right. Um, there's events all the time. It started mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, you know, I worked all day Friday and then uh, Friday night was, you know, I was in safety Insane. Harbor till midnight and then I came back here and didn't get to bed till one thirty, and then got up on Saturday at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning to head over to Tampa. And I was there from seven throughout a festival and some meetings and then drinking at an event that night and didn't get home to about the same time the next yeah. night. And Sunday was the same thing. There was another festival and after parties and, uh, and then it's Monday and, uh, Events Monday night and Tuesday yeah. night and Wednesday night and Thursday night and our event on Friday and uh, collaborations throughout the week too. You know, we yeah, brewed a collaboration that. on Monday with against the grain and we did one on oh, Thursday with Central State. It was good. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah it's um, uh, it's a fun beer. We're actually going to release some uh, sixteen ounce cans of that one. It's, awesome. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of it's kind of a fuck you beer, if you will. 
Uh, that's at least that's how sort of he, he sort of described it. He's like, I just want a beer that's just like kind of making fun of everybody. Um, he's like, we're gonna make we're gonna make a new it, it, the, the beer oh, is here we go. it's a New England style sour IPA with kumquats. So it's like a fruited, turbid, sour. I'm a, it, it's just kind of everything. We just right. like take everything that everyone's into yeah. and just yeah, be like, and, and it's over the top. We were on top of the dry hop schedule. It's it's just like an absurd amount of hops. And and he was at a point where at one one point he emailed me and he's like. Don't you think there's like diminishing returns on these hops? Like, of course. Like, isn't that the point though? And he goes, "Good point. Yeah, let's you know, let's add more." And it's just like it is just wasting things. Like, it's yeah. just I mean, it's it's dumb. And so that was just a lot of fun to just kind of goof off with those dudes. And um, we did a beer with Central State on Sat on Thursday, which was second okay. beer with those guys. It's gonna be like a funky saison. We fermented in the fooder, and then we're gonna age uh, in barrels with their culture. Um, so be cool. So any uh, any other thoughts on the on the future? Anything else you're making that you could besides those? Like any that we can see in bottles and cans? Or I mean, we do a ton of bottles and cans. You'd, to be honest with you. Yeah. So um, our, our cans, we, we got four beers year round right now in there cans. Uh, Green Bench IPA is kind of a, an old school West Coast style IPA, Simcoe Centennial, double dry hopped, three pounds per barrel. It's intense. Sunshine City, which is more tropical new age IPA, Azaka Citra Mosaic, also triple or double dry hopped, uh, three pounds per barrel. Uh, Postcard Pills, which is the beer that I drink daily. Um, super clean American-style Pilsner. Um, 35 IBUs. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, a lot of flavor. Yeah. You're kicking back on the ABV. For sure. So, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, Happy Hermit, which is kind of a session IPA, Galaxy Hopped. And then bottle-wise, yeah, I mean, man, we make, only, yeah. we make bottles all the time. Um, most of them are pretty, uh, you know, somewhat limited one-off stuff sometimes. But, you know, as far as core brands... Saison de Banc Vert is, you know, our sort of base fooder beer. Um, it is a French-style Saison, so it, it is 100% inspired by Derrier, okay. who is that brewery up nice. in France. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's our house culture in our fooder, uh, but inspired by his beers, again, French-style, not Belgian-style. You, you like it, right? Extremely proud of this good, beer. Good. Yeah, I'm sure all of these beers, I, you know, like I... That's true. I'm, I'm ridiculously proud of them. I think we, we execute them extremely well. But uh, not saying that you're trying to mimic or, or <laughs> mock that one, but I think it's, like, nice to know that you... Uh, you take pride in a brewery like that, and you're trying, to, and you're proud of something that sure. you feel that's that been inspired by theirs. Oh yeah, yeah, that's got to be amazing. So it's been sitting out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this beer is uh, so our house culture actually started as sort of actually a theory of culture and Britannomyces bruxellensis. So it's going to be really um, peppery. So I get a lot of already. Sorry, like yeah. really, really spicy uh, phenolics in the nose, almost like soft coriandery, white peppercorn comes to mind a lot on this beer, um, and then very soft citrus with some really nice sort of bready uh, flavor profile from the from the base sort of recipe, and um, and then some soft bread. You know, you you still yeah. get some like really subtle Britannomyces notes, as there is Brux in this beer, and then it's super bone dry. And again, this is. A French saison. This is. Uh, it's. It's not like Belgian saison. It's not like Dupont. It's not like bubblegummy or anything like that. It's more dry, spicy, peppery. And you could uh, get this one at GB. It's always the bottle is always there. We make this beer year round. Yeah. So this is yeah, a beer you can there. get absolutely anywhere. This one's year round. Um, Le Grisette is also year round. That is actually the core in our 100% Britannomyces series. So that beer actually has gotten us. That that's kind of uh, Brewer's favorite. Um, okay. Around the world, okay. even a lot of breweries are like yeah. uh, Le Grisette's the one. So uh, I, I kind of joked last year we kind of became the Grisette brewery to a lot of breweries because yeah. every brewery that wanted to brew a collab with us wanted to make a Grisette. 
So we made one, like Jester King, our, our second beer with them in Austin. They were like, actually, if you go on the, the website, like he was even saying, like, we think Green Bench is one of the best producers of Grisette style. And so we brewed a Grisette with them. And uh, we are extremely proud of this beer. So this is, um, this is the core in our, bre- for our Brett culture. And so it's what keeps that, that yeast happy. It's, it's, it, is, it is Brett through and through. Um, now, how about that backpack? How about that? Oh, one? yeah, backpack's great, man. It's a yeah. collab we did with Wayne uh, at Cigar City. We did that here. Because that's a, is that a bread as well? Or? Yeah, it's 100% yeah, Britannomyces. Yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, Legrizette's the core in that, and we have a bunch of sort of, you know, offshoots from that with the Brett cultures. And one of the things I've always said to, to Wayne, you know, because he's still a really good friend of mine, and we, we talk all the time, and um, he wants to experiment with Britannomyces more and more. And I'm like, dude, you can do it here. Like, we do it all the time. And he can't do that at Cigar City. No, right. They can't do Brett there. And I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Like, I, I got that on lock. Like, we'll, we'll do Brett. Like, it's fine. And so, because we do it year-round. You know, yeah. we, we're, we're experienced with it. We know our process and everything. And so, Backpack was a pale ale that we fermented with Brett. Okay. And then we bottle conditioned with Brett. Um, and I was super proud of that beer, and, and I was very thankful that Wayne was too. Wayne speaks very highly of that beer. He was very happy with Can we ever see out. that again? Or Potentially. Yeah, um, right. Actually, he and I have talked about maybe brewing it again. Okay. Uh, if we Good. do, it'll probably be near the end of the summer. Um, just both our schedules are pretty wacky in the summer. Sure. So it's difficult to kind of coordinate when either of us are in town at the same time, or rather in town at the same time and have spent enough time with our families <laughs> to okay. warrant yes. doing something yeah. else. Right. Um, and so... Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to try to that. He, he and I actually have some plans for some cool projects in the future that okay. he and I are working on and we've been talking about for a while and drinking beer together and, and specifically in sort of this, 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 this wheelhouse, you know? So, yeah, in addition to them, you know, we did a, you know, our collab with Side Project um, is coming out. That's uh, 100%. Good. That's a grisette as well. Okay. Um, you know, like, it's, it's funny, man. Everybody wants to make Rosette with us because that's what we do. Yeah, so. When you do it right, when you do yeah. it well, I would definitely be, I'd be like, nope, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe I'd, I'd be very proud. So, um, oh, no, that's what we're getting into. Oh, cool, yeah. We're opening that. up that because I know that's Actually, huge. my girlfriend did this one. Oh, did she? Yeah. yeah she actually did um, all those except for except for the Saison uh, Vert. She did Grisette, Thrice Rice, Sauvage, and Sleeping Dragon. Okay. She did all those. So, yeah. And then also, do we have the name of the beer first, or do you make the beer and then get into mm. the name? Like, what, what comes first? Um, it's usually the beer first, and then the name is inspired by the beer, and then usually then the label is inspired by the name and okay. the beer. Okay, there you go. Um, Sometimes I am getting to the point where I'm just getting exhausted coming up with names for beers. So I do sort of come with her and be like, "Hey, I'm making this beer. Here's what it is. Do you have a name?" And she's helped out a lot of names. Actually, she nice. was the one okay. that said Good. Sunshine City, and I was like, "Oh, dumb. That's so. That's that's what that needs to be." Um, so I think she said Sleeping Dragon too. I think that was her as well. Um, and like, now that was because of the dragon, like the dragon. It's dragon fruit. fruit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's resting. You know, and I, I told her I was like, "Yeah, we, oh, we, it's it's dragon fruit." Resting in neutral wine barrels for 14 months, which is like Sleeping Dragon. I was like, stupid. That's so smart. Yeah, like, why so did cool I not? Though. Like, well, no, you need that. Man. And I and I told her too, because so she did this. She, I forget what she was drawing. Uh, she's an incredible illustrator. She actually has her own business. She does. She does graphic design, illustration, and and uh, web websites and. Um, and does she do all artwork, or do you, do you have to? If she's too busy, you'll go after somebody else, or it depends on the brand. So like our cans and stuff are done by another company that actually did our logo. Um, Saison Vert was done by those guys as well. Okay. So we we kind of we 
we don't really have sort of one artist because I don't because we don't really have just one brand. We make so many different kinds of beers, and we have so many different lines of beers. You know, we have our Wood Parade series, we have our Web City Cellar series, we have our St. Pete's Belgian line, we have, you know, uh, our sort of core can series we've got we're about to launch you know alice mira and wilbur as sort of these base sour year-round beers and and so the florida wild series i mean like it's uh, there, there's even more than that you know it's just there, there's so many series that we have that there isn't one brand for any of those things that can that fits and so each one actually has to somewhat be organic and has to be itself yeah um and so sometimes that means working with different designers you know definitely how many people do you uh, have working with you on a, any given day, I'm in here. Uh, in the what's back, going on back specifically? here? Yeah, yeah. We only have uh, one, two, three, four, five people. Ooh. Six with me. That's really good. So there's six of us total in the back that sort of do some production work. We got, you know, someone in the lab. We've got my assistant brewer Daniel. We've got um, our packaging supervisor Tim. And where did you two. find Daniel? Where Where did he come from? Dan and I used to work at Cigar City together. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, so uh, Dan actually taught me how to clean up bright tank you know um he was he was younger than me but he was already working there for a little while and um you know he's kind of a classic story dropped out of college to volunteer and work in a brewery and uh has been in one since he actually moved moved up to Asheville after working for okay. Star City for a few years worked at Green Man worked at Wicked oh, Weed oh nice and then after Wicked Weed yeah, he, while he was working at Wicked Weed oh nice he um uh he came down here to visit one time as it was the November after we, so we opened in September November he was in town I'll get and he out, kind so of had our beers fast. and was hanging out and he was like dude I'm thinking about moving back like I would love to work here and I was like I would hire you in a heartbeat and so um, yeah we brought Dan on you know probably six to nine months later and he's been here with us since and you know he had never brewed before he'd done cellar work and packaging so I taught him how to brew and he makes all of our wort now really I, I'm, I'm hardly ever up there anymore so he and you he, do a lot of traveling so yeah. so this has to be a well Run yes. machine like it, it has to. And... It has to just flow. Yeah, yeah. So Tim, Tim's our packaging supervisor. We have two packaging guys that sort of work with him. Um, so yeah, that's that's our that's our production staff. That's good though. I mean, I mean, it, it's family. It's it's smaller. Even though, I mean, this is an open area too. Sure. You have a lot of good, got a lot of good room. Any expansions you feel coming besides next door? Mm-hmm. Any more? into this in this I guess this building alone sure. yeah anything actually here? at the same time as that expansion we're actually doing one big just fell swoop kind of thing. you have to right it's just oh, we've name. done we've done some small expansions since since we opened and this one is literally just let's just do it all at once good and so yeah there's gonna be more fermenters uh, we're dropping in a fully automated rotary canning line from Germany really high quality line expensive uh two bottling lines one for saison and okay. and brett beers and then one for our mixed culture sours um so and everything that comes with that so increased glycol increased uh our brew house is getting a little expansion on it we're dropping in a third vessel um more more uh cooler space and uh an additional warehouse that's going to house just storage so grain and you know bottles and cans and all that stuff all that stuff's going to be it's all one big expansion. So including that, there. yeah, including that is the warehouse next door, the sour, yeah, so the sour for facility. That. And are you excited for that? Is that something you're going to be focusing more on? And I guess maybe Daniel will be back here. Sure. So how's that? How are we going to share our? Times? Yeah, I mean, so the way the way I have sort of planned out this expansion, I'm 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 relieving myself of a lot of responsibilities that I currently have, which is really nice, especially on the sales side of things. Okay. Um, we hired a sales manager about a year and a half ago, okay. and he's taken over. He's, at this point, has all of our Florida distribution sort of stuff. He is the 
the contact for all mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm starting to hand over some of the national stuff still to him, which will allow me some more time to focus on production and, and even more, uh, you know, at the forefront and, and closer is uh, focusing on this expansion. Okay, so uh, freeing me up to focus on that while it's happening a little bit more. And uh, yeah, so at the very beginning, the majority of the stuff that's happening, I mean, everything we do here, you know, I definitely, I'm oversee, I'm the last call on everything. I'm telling them, you know, what I need done and, and how I want it done. Um, and are you in charge of it all? Like, let's say you yeah. have an idea for a beer. Is there anybody that we have to speak to? Is there somebody like, you, you just go, shit, you know what? I woke up this morning. I have these ingredients and let's just make it. You could do that. Kind of. It, it's usually a little bit more developed than that. Sure. Uh, of course. Only it because, has to be. like, Yeah. Only because like, you know. My production schedule was written out months in advance, and so you know it's not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't just fit something in. No, right, um, no. but every beer that. But we, if you had the opportunity, yes. it's your freedom, right? Sure. Okay. Every everything that we do is my decision. Yeah, honestly, like it. It, it, it really is. It's it's like everything we do. Everything we do, like how we sell, how we market, how we brand, how we brew it, how we sell it, how we package it, how we discuss it, how we. Like like it, how we pour it, how we I mean every single Damn. thing. So you is have me. you have all that. Yes. What do we do? What's what's therapeutic for you? What do you do that like is like? Do you play music mm-hmm. or so? How do you separate unwind? Here? Yeah. How do you do that? Um, uh, to be honest with you, I need to be engaged in something because my mind doesn't shut up, and right. so it's usually like it's, it's like usually over. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. For me, for me, honestly, it's usually like video games or something, like something challenging, like what hard. Are you, or... What are you playing right now? What game are you playing right uh, now? We're about to age the the uh, podcast, but oh right yeah, now, no worries. What do you play? What are you playing right now? Cool. Yeah. No. I mean, when I come home these days, like you know, there's Horizon Zero Dawn just came out. Is it good? It's good. Uh, it's beautiful. Okay. Um, actually, so Dan actually had it first. And then he was like, dude, this game is amazing. And so I tried it out, and I was like, this is really good. And uh, so I, that, yeah. I have to play Final Fantasy XV first. Final so. Fantasy XV. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I had played a little bit of it. I remember playing the, the demo, and then Dan got it before me, and I picked it up. And I haven't really, I've got so many games backlogged that I'm just, like, trying to go through them on the way. Um, and actually, some of them are, like, older games. Like, I've decided to go back and replay um, you know, Shadows of Mordor since they just announced like the new Dark the DLC, new games coming yeah, out. Yeah. But really the game that I'm like waiting on that like I'm I'm worried about getting too involved with something right now is the next Mass Effect game. Right. Uh, I'm a big Bioware fan. Yeah. Uh, Knights Old Republic is my favorite game yeah. ever still. I've, I've I love it. it for the iPad. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love I play it on it. mobile it. and I've yeah. played it a dozen it's times so, in my life. So. I love our, uh, our, sound, uh, our sound guy, our sound editor, Casper, right now is like, thank you. Thank you. He's like, you're talking to me. Nice. Because yeah. I, I am a huge gamer uh, since you know day one on Atari. I love it. I love it. I love and it. And those are all console games, but I play computer games. Yeah, I've been in MMOs and I played WoW for years, World yeah. of Warcraft, and I have and never Star done Wars. It. Don't, just, do yeah. it. Con- Don't do no, it. I'm a console guy. You'll fall in. Console. It's hard. Console guy all day, every day. I feel like I lost five years of my life to that game. So you teach. You teach. Yeah. What's that like, man? What's that like? You get to teach beer too. Because I wanted to get into how do you unwind. Because sure. now we're also not only are you here, but let's. Say so you also teach. You're busy as hell. Yeah, there two and some consulting work too sometimes. Yeah. But shit. So yeah. yeah. So what's the teaching like though? What's that? How's the teaching's that for you? super cool. It's yeah. it's rewarding. It's fun. It's um, still learning. We're only a year into the class, you know, having launched, and so I think every semester we're sort of figuring out a little bit more um, on on ways to make 
more worth the students' time and money, but also like beneficial to their future. Okay. And so I think we're implementing more and more sort of little things here and there. Uh, I'm excited that uh, actually our director uh, is this this amazing woman, uh, Jennifer Cedillo, who uh, actually used to work for us. Actually, okay. She used to run our cool. lab for about for a little over a year, and um, she's a microbiologist. And she took over the the job there, sort of directing that. And I think we're going in amazing directions under her uh, sort of guidance. Um, she's an amazing palate and amazing science mind, uh, scientific mind, and so. It's fun, man. It, it's cool. Uh, most of it's kind of like online with sort of discussions. Okay. And, and a lot of times the students bring, you know, bring beer in and, and we meet all the time, you know, with the students. Uh, we'll go to breweries and do tours and okay, nice. there's hands-on training. So part of the course is after you finish sort of your, your lectures, you, you have to intern in a brewery uh, for, you know, nearly a month, honestly. Now, are there any of the students that you feel, let's say you give, I'm sure you teach, but any that you feel like you could get a, give advice, like as a home brewer, are there, are there some students that you feel sometimes like you have it, you've got this, like, do you give them like other advice or is there somehow you could like assist them into home brewing? Do you get into that? Well, sure. you said consulting because you yeah, did say yeah, consulting. Yeah, I'll do some so. consulting work for like other breweries that are trying to open and stuff like that. Um, you know, helping build breweries and, and helping formulate recipes and, and process and all that stuff. But, and how many how many hours do you feel a month you you give to that, or is that just not like, as much? That, that's more sporadic, right? Um, I guess if somebody comes up, then you do exactly. It, it's more it's more like I'm available if you need help with that kind of thing, but I don't really look for work in that sense. You know, right. like it's not something I'm I'm like trying to add hours <laughs> that's to the, right now. We're not putting a business card out there, guys. No, so, not yeah, at all. No, no, uh, I'm trying to reach out. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so what we'll do is like, you know, I mean, some of it actually is some of our students, like some of our students have graduated and, and, you know, I'll do some, I'll, I'll help them out, you know, when they graduate. And a lot of them have reached out and been like, Hey, I'd love for you to do some consulting work on awesome. what we want to open. And so I'll try to help them out sometimes, uh, if I have time and which is always cool, but most of them are, are definitely trying to become professional breweries. Okay. So, um, and, and I wouldn't say that, like, necessarily I've felt from any student, like, you have it. Um, the potential, I think, has been there for pretty much every student. You know, like, the potential to have it, the potential to do great things and make phenomenal beers and open a great brewery is, is there for pretty much all of them, I think. Um, it's just a matter of initiative. It's a matter of putting, you know, the sort of... I don't know. Putting the time in, man. Putting the effort in. It is in, time. Putting the, it is putting time. the work. You know? I guess that's what would, I, if I saw that, if I saw someone who's willing to put that sure. time. Maybe then I would feel that way. Yeah. I, I, there, there's some some of the students I've definitely felt that way, and 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 some not as much. Some some of it it's not even like you don't work hard enough. Some of it's like you just haven't reached out to me, so I don't know if you're working hard exactly. enough. Exactly. Right. Which is fine because maybe you don't need my help, and if you don't, that's great. You know, like. Um, but you can't read minds. But I, yeah, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no clue who. <laughs> needs it or who doesn't, yeah. you know, unless they tell me they need they it really or they reach don't, out. you know, so. That's exciting. I, I think uh, this is our first time really hearing teaching out, I mean, brewery classes, and this is yeah. what? It's U, uh, USF. Yeah, so South, yeah. yeah, You know, South Florida. Um, credited school, university. Yep. And that, that's amazing that they're doing these kind of things. I, does that take away from institutes like Siebel, or do hmm. you feel... I wouldn't say it takes away. I mean, there's only a few brewing schools in the country. You yeah, know, if anything, yeah. it adds something to it. I Good. would say. You I'd know, like to like, hear that too. Yeah. It's somewhat the community thing. You know, it's it's same way I was saying. You know, it's better to have more breweries than than not. Um, when you can have more schools, then uh, I think it helps us all. You know, it's just if 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 you get an applicant that's every applicant's from Siebel versus 
right. an applicant from Siebel, an applicant from UC Davis, an applicant from USF St. Peter and Arts Program, an applicant from, you know, fill in the blank. Colorado's got a, you know, I think um, has a program now and they're opening up and uh, I think Oregon State University actually has like a fermentation science mm -hmm. course. And um, so, yeah, you, you kind of, it, it's sort of better to have different schools, you know? You, you, exactly. Everyone gets stronger well, when you teach different things or teach... I, I could teaching differently. I can see the university maybe being the start it out. Yeah. See how much you like it. Is this your thing? Sure. And then go to Chicago like, and see if that's a lot that's like that with uh, any other any degree. Other degree. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you're going to school. You're going to yeah, school. Then, see if you like it. Yeah. You know, like that happens to a lot of people. Now get out there to the real get world. Get out there and, and do it. Do it. Try not to fail. So any advice <laughs> for a home brewer right now that you could give, like that you could think of? Oh man, advice for a home brewer right now. If you could say like, hey try to start off let's say it's something that they're starting oh man uh not really i mean to be honest Don't with you like stay in school yeah exactly <laughs> i mean the truth is like you could be doing so many different things with homebrewing so it's hard like if it's if it was a little bit more narrowed frankly of a question of like an inquiry then like it'd be a little bit easier okay to say. sure like right, if they were right. like you know, um, making if I'm about to if I'm about to make my first hundred percent Britannomyces beer, do you have any pointers? Like, sure, maybe I'll have pointers on that. You know, if I have pointers on, I'm about to do my first spontaneous beer. Sure, I may have pointers on that, but you know, like it, it all it almost like I almost would have to like start with the person, find out what their base knowledge is already, what you know, what you don't know, and then be able to fill in the blanks. Right. It's just such an open ended because beer is so big. Yeah, you know, like it's just there's so many details, and they're like, I want to open a brewery. You know, I mean, yeah, like I can't tell you many people have said that to me. I know, yeah. And yeah. then I was your investor, and then I've had to spend an hour essentially telling them what they don't know about it, and like being afraid that I just scared them off of it completely. Right. Like I'm not trying to do that. I just want to no, be realistic be, yeah, with be you. Careful. You know, this like is what happens. It is not easy to yeah. open a brewery. It is not easy to consistently make great beer. It is not easy to understand all of the elements involved with doing this. That's not an easy thing. Do I think that you could figure it out? Yeah, I think, I think anyone could figure anyone. it out if they right. spend time and, and they care about it enough. And here's my philosophy on beer. I, my goal is to make the best beer that I can possibly make. Because that is, that is the best that anyone can do, right? right? The best that you can do is the best that you can do, right? right. <laughs> so I want to make the best beer that I can possibly make. The only way that I think that I can make the best beer that I can possibly make, the only way that I can accomplish the goal is if I care about it, if I am more passionate about it than anyone else in the entire world. So I have to make a thing that I care about more than anyone else right. on the planet in order for me to make it the best that it can possibly be, which is the goal. So if you want to make the best thing that you can possibly make in the world, you need to care about it more than absolutely anyone. Right. Every day, all day. If you are passionate enough about the thing that you love and you're doing, you have the ability to make the best thing that you can make. So for you, let's say the beer you were expected was supposed to be last week, we we're supposed to open it and it's not up to its standards. Would you take another two, three, four weeks to keep it? Uh, depends. Depends on what that standard is. Depends on where it's failing at that okay. standard. You know, like right. if it's a carbonation issue, is it a well, then, yeah, then it is it an acetic issue? Is it a you know uh, I don't know an infection? Is it a is it you know it, it, it? There's so many there's so many things that I'm thinking about when I'm smelling a beer. There's so many things that I'm thinking about when I'm tasting a beer. There's so many things I'm thinking about after I sit the beer down for five minutes 
that letting it open any element even just sitting on my palate you know even mm-hmm. looking at it you know like it's and yeah letting it open and then tasting it again when i'm analyzing a beer there are countless things that i'm thinking about and sure if one or two or three or five or 20 of those things are out or wrong then each of those sort of have to be assessed individually it's it's not as it's really not as broad as that i wish you I know I, I don't wish it was. I was going to say I wish it was to be easier, but the reason I like beer is that it's not easy. Right. You know, it's I'll never know everything. You know, like that goes back to that. And so when I'm assessing a beer, it's it's so much more complicated than that. I, I the answer is I don't know. You know, right. like I have to try it and and find out what the problem is and then see if I know a solution or if there even is one in the world. Sometimes the solution is dump the beer down the drain. Yeah, and you hear that. Yeah, and that yeah. sucks. But and we've it heard is it. what we've happens. Heard it. Yeah. You know, some money goes, but sure. Would you actually bottle that? And no, no. I'm gonna pop up another beer. Let's do it. Um, so good because while we do this one, I'm gonna let you know. Uh, I guess we're four and four for when Liverpool plays while we're recording. Oh, there you go. There we go. We gotta win. You gotta make we sure gotta to win. do that each time. Our first, I think it was our first three episodes were recorded while Liverpool was playing. No way. Live. Yeah, and this is our fourth. So yeah, they just got a two. 2-1 win over Burnley. Sorry, Bill Parkinson's. Well, we love you, buddy. So, he's actually has a brewery in, or a friend of ours has a brewery in Burnley. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, right on. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Bill Parkinson, good guy. So, um, but dude, thank you again for pouring. And, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, this is, um, this is Thrice Rice. So, oh, back to the mic. All right, so this beer is another 100% Brett beer uh, that actually I think I'm going to somewhat formulate into sort of another year round next to Grisette. So the, the base of this beer is actually a wit. So it's a base wit beer. There are, are three rice varietals in the mash, jasmine, red, and white or, and wild. Um, but instead of just coriander and orange peel, which is a base wit, we do have those. Yeah. There's white peppercorn and there's lemongrass into the boil. It's fermented with my Brett culture. Um, super clean, funky, like wild, rustic, like all the characteristics with our Brett beers that I'm looking for are this. Like, I'm looking for balance. I'm looking for clean Brett. I don't like one-dimensional Brett. It's okay. not just horse blanket. It's not just this other. It's not just one thing. I want a balance of all those things that I think melds into just beauty. Like, it's just a very elegant beer. Um, and so my thought is, like, when you're standing on a farm and you close your eyes and you just take a deep breath into your nose, what are all of the flavors that you're smelling? And a lot of it isn't just that horse blanket, barnyard funk. A lot of it is grass and trees yeah. and wind and like it's you know it's, it's all of and wood and it's all of these characteristics all together and sure elements of you know barnyard and manure and and all those weird funky things but all together it's just this beautiful natural flavor profile so it's that then i dry hop this beer post fermentation with cascade and then we referment yes. in the bottle with 100 bread and so we let's let's talk about um how bottling these happen we i think we could thank prairie for a lot of what's being bottled and put out there you could probably find prairie really anywhere um are you especially hope- now they're making a lot more of that beer they're, yeah they're when he sold lot. he's yeah making a lot of that beer yeah are we tasting a difference there yet with the with prairie or how much i do don't think drink? we will i think no, their stuff's right? gonna be very consistent i think yeah when you have something like like this i think you can't really change the recipes yeah. like when you're doing things like that and, and they'll they'll make great things i think I, i'm not worried about that brand yeah no no right yeah and do you uh have they tried your beers have they ever reached out to you oh yeah or? we've actually made a beer with prairie oh you did uh, well okay. it's, it was with chase haley who was the founder of yeah. prairie uh-huh. and it's actually still in barrel barrels here um he now owns american solera so mm-hmm. so he sold prairie the brand 
Um, and then he opened his own brewery, another brewery, second brewery is open, called yeah. American Solera. And we're, we're planning a collab with him, too. Nice. Uh, okay, as good. As well. So. Yeah, the, the Healy's are great guys. Uh, I love Colin's artwork. Yeah, it's his stuff's beautiful, right? Yeah. yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah, part of our collab is actually, you know, him and him and Kristen, who's done, you know, these labels, they're actually going to collaborate. She's a massive fan of their artwork. And so, uh, and they've actually hung out and talked about it, and uh, or, or they've spoken about it to each other at least, and and so they're gonna their, their plan is to collaborate actually on the label too, and actually yeah. that's what Sleeping Dragon and uh, the, the the first released collab from Jester King was Beach Time Sports Ball, which was a low quat grisette that we brewed in in, in uh, Austin. She came with me out to Austin. We brewed that beer instead of Dan. And uh, they collaborated on the label artwork too for that's that awesome. as well. So it's a full-on awesome. collab. You guys are doing amazing things. I love this interview. I know we've gone over a little hour, but I want to say thank you so much for this. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've, I've definitely learned a lot. And I like that this is a more technical episode. And I, I think uh, it was an honor to have you sure. tell these stories and uh, be technical with it. So, yeah. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, man. All right, buddy. And uh, all right, Brennan, I'm going to head it over to you. And uh, I'll see you in a second. All right, guys, this is Jeff back on the mic. Uh, I'm with Quain. Yeah. Dude, that was an awesome interview. My brain is going to explode. So much I information. I that he was so, so knowledgeable, not only about his stuff, but the industry. He's no. a teacher. He educates, yeah. man. That, that was awesome. That I did not know about. I did not know. Yeah, Chris that's so that. cool. Yeah. So when Chris Johnson says that, my mind is even more blown. I love the fact that he is so well aware of everybody that he had. At the yeah. event, like he knows everything about their beers, knows who they are, knows what they're running, what kind of ship they're doing. Everything was unbelievable. Yes. Like, I was, for thought next year, we're going to be we're there. We're going to be there. And I that actually, event sounds awesome. Yeah. And I think that's one that is going to start to become just as big as a lot of the fests that we're seeing that are coming up in the future. So I, I really right. think Chris is on onto something. And I think year five is going to blow it out of the water. I, I think, love yeah. that his perspective is one centered around education. That if you're into craft beer, there's so many different styles and so many different things to learn and to become better at, at deciphering what you're tasting. I love that there's educational opportunities for that. He's Tons. providing them. That's yeah. so cool. And I think he should be doing a little more of these, That uh, not just for that one event. I think he could be doing this just for that that area because I don't think really Tampa – is doing that and that's where this craft beer week is held is in tampa bay so yeah yeah i think he could be doing a lot more for the community in there and let's talk about the community because that was another highlight for me i loved his perspective about I'm, the beer community i knew you were gonna say yes that, dude right? like you know it. that's my big thing it's yeah. all about the community yeah and in god such a refreshing way he is so open to would-be competition. Yeah. You know, if I run a restaurant, like, there's competition. Other restaurants, right? Yeah, he says it right. There's one yes. across the street right there. But, so, yeah. But no, man. Like, for him, the more breweries, the better. Yeah. You elevate each other. Yeah. Dude, that's one of our goals for What Ails You, too. Yeah, We exactly. want to elevate each other. Right. We want everyone who's listening to say, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to Green Bench. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk down to Cycle. I'll go to Pinellas Ale. I'll go to Arcane. It's not... I mean, you got to get in the car for that, but still, it's not that far Don't at all. go to one. Go to yeah, all of go them. Go to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun, man. His perspective, I think, is really fresh. Um, I just thought it was really enlightened, too. Yeah. I got to say. I, I, I definitely Super got that cool. vibe. Yeah. And uh, I loved... I just sat there. Guys, I think this is a totally different yeah. plane ever. <laughs> and I just let him go with it. I was just like, all right, 
I think yeah. you got that. I just kind of sat back and went, all right, dude. I loved got it, this. man. Yeah, I too. thought it was so good. He, he had a lot to say. Yeah. And I'm so yeah. happy we gave him a platform to do it um, because I think he's speaking to the same mission that we are, which is, you know, we want people to learn more about yep. beer. And while you're at it, go check out some of the local businesses that are around. Yeah, if anybody ever asks me, hey, I'm coming to Tampa, and guys, I mean, on Instagram, you're you're emailing us or you're messaging us, and on and emails, you're messaging us. People coming in for a podcasting thing were saying, where should I drink? And it's like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. I'm not giving you this one amazing place. I'm giving you, if there's one street, hit this and this and this and this and this, and you can get away with that and that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, man. So, yeah, please, just go out and enjoy. I know we're in the double digits now, uh, episode 11. Yep. And now we've given you 11 places, and we've gone to uh, other cities. We've gone to many cities now. We've yeah. put some mileage on this on yeah. this little Shankly mobile. Yeah. So it's it's good. It's I hope really I good. hope as you know as people listen to our podcast, they're hearing not only our perspective, but these brewers all have pretty unique perspectives too. All of them do. Yeah, yeah they're all speaking. Awesome. Their, yeah, they're all speaking their own language, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I mean, they want you to drink their beer. But there's a different way of getting there and how they yeah. do it. And I think it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really proud Another of really cool thing, guys, is, is the stories that they have to tell. And every time we go to a new brewery, everyone's super willing to chat with us. And I don't think it's because we're particularly cool. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you look at us. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's just because the beer community really is embracing of new yeah. people. Yeah. New people that want to learn. Uh, so, you know, if I have one thing to say to everybody, like, please, like, after you listen to an episode, like, put it on your calendar. When are you going to go check out Green Bench? That's a great idea. I like that. And let us know. Yes. Let us know. Honestly, awesome. there's things called hashtags. If you're there, <laughs> hashtag us. Because I do have Instagram in my hand at all times, guys. Uh, it is one of my favorites to just see what you are drinking mm-hmm. and what you are doing. Yeah. And if you are at a brewery and uh, we just got tagged twice today. And I was like, dude, that's really cool. That's really yes. cool that yeah. we got tagged today. Yeah, I mean, just based we, on where you know, we envision was. ourselves kind of being like a, kind of like a voice for, for the community of craft beer, for, for the brewers. Uh, but really, like, you hear me say it a thousand times every time I'm on this stupid microphone. I'm about that community. And I give a shit about what you're doing. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we want to be part of that, guys. So yeah. thank you. And, and, and thank you for the people that we got to meet yeah. Uh, just at one brewery, uh, just saying, oh, yeah, you guys. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was really um, good. Guys, stay tuned. Uh, the next uh, couple episodes are going to be pretty fun. <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty we, crazy. Uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to Neil Callahan over at Cigar City. Definitely. Uh, for hooking up uh, our media passes for Hunapu's Day Fest. Yeah, we kind of didn't give away that we were there, but, uh, uh, but we, we were, were there. We were there. It was really fun. And everybody that said hello and we're like, that's you guys, that's us. And you guys made us feel so at home, man. You yes. got, we, you, so many people introduced, introduced us to so many people. Yeah. Fucking rad. So yeah, we awesome. met a lot of people. We met a lot guys, of great people. Damn, did we drink a lot of good beer. Yeah. So look yeah. forward to the next couple episodes because you're going to hear all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of feels about that. But uh, yeah. it was awesome, guys. So, um, yeah, we love you, Green Bench. You're doing amazing, amazing, and even more incredible things. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Guys, Till next week. Cheers. The Green Bench Brewing episode of What Ailsie was produced by Jeff Brennan. Your host and co-producer is Brian Quain. Our music and editing was done by Sadness. Jillian Quain is our photographer and designer. It's 
special thanks to Christopher Johnson and Valerie Niger. Shout out to the guys from Libertine Brewing, True Brewing, and those guys from Canada at Brasserie Dunham, and of course, JJ. JJ, loved you, Dad. Guys, find us on the internet, What Ails Ya Podcast. Go ahead, type that out in Google. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, thank you again for this weekend. Uh, it was amazing, everybody who was there. Now get some sleep. <laughs>